0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Duel Link Up, a podcast where we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. I am one half of the week, Notorious Cly, and the other half, today, is a very special guest that is none other than the King of Misplays himself, the Diatonic. This is our first interview episode, and I'm really excited about it. I think it turned out pretty well. I'm hoping to do more of these in the future, so let me know what you guys think. We talked a little bit about the Diatonic himself and all his going-ons, and then jumped into a pretty good conversation about Resonators. If you guys have anything you'd like to add to the conversation, be sure to check out our subreddit, our Twitter, or Discord, or you can shoot me an email. All of those are under the dual linkup, T-H-E-D-U-E-L-L-I-N-K-U-P. You'll need an invite code to get to the Discord, though, so shoot me an email at theduallinkup at gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you enjoyed listening to the Diatonic and want to give him a follow or keep up with him, he actually has a link tree set up. It's this cool thing where it consolidates all of his online presence in one spot. To get there, type in your URL, L-I-N-K-T-R dot e backslash, the Diatonic. T-H-E underscore D-I-A-T-O-N-I-C. One note about the interview is we did this remotely. So part of the audio actually dropped out when I was explaining the Harpy combo. You guys all know the combo. I'm sure you'll be able to fill in the blanks. So it's not really worth me going in to try and edit that and touch it up and make it seem like none of the audio actually dropped out. And another omission, or correction, I guess, is I actually referred to the King of Vermilion box as the King of Crimson box a couple times. I had Crimson Resonator on the brain, so I got my Shades of Red mixed up. Please forgive me for this small transgression, and hopefully it doesn't distract too much from the interview. I think I'm going to keep this pretty short. The episode went a little longer than expected, which is a good thing. means I might have been kind of interesting to talk to. So without further ado, here's the Diatonic. All right, and we are here with none other than the self-proclaimed King of Misplays, the Diatonic.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Mr. Diatonic, <laughs> Uh you are no longer self-proclaimed. I will proclaim you the King of Misplays. So now you So can it's official this. now. It's official, yeah. It's official, official now.
1: It's about time. Yeah.
0: Thanks for coming <laughs> if on, my man. My chat
1: doesn't tell me. Well, thank you for yeah. having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So let's get started here. Let's start with the basics. How'd you get your name?
1: Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so my name, uh, actually comes from my music background. Um, I was in, uh, I was a huge band nerd in uh, junior high and high school. Um, so in, in, in classically, tra- I won't go too far into this cause good Lord, it's, it's confusing, but in, in like classical training for music in school, you have, you have, uh, scales, you know, you have to play like a million times to practice and warm up. Um, And there's two different kinds. There's a chromatic scale and a diatonic scale. Um, The chromatic one is literally just every note in order on the way up and then on the way down. Um, But the diatonic one is like a less known scale, and it only operates on certain keys. Like whatever key your song is in, it's those notes up and down instead of every. It's really confusing. Basically, it sounded nice, and I know the term (laughs) because I like music. And that's pretty much... (laughs) I can go into the full music theory of it, but like, uh,
0: no, I think th- this, is, uh, this is this
1: dual links. This isn't music.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just thought it was an interesting name. And uh, if you're a band geek, then I'm an orc dork. I played cello for eight years of my life. So, okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I get you. I understand. I had, a hint. I had a hunch as to how you got the name, but I just wanted to make mm-hmm. sure I wasn't missing something.
1: Mm. that may be the first time anyone's asked i don't i don't know if anybody has ever asked where it came from
0: (laughs) yeah it's a good name though it's evocative the diatonic and it's uh it's kind of fitting for what we want to cover today with uh resonators because that's true yeah resonant tones and frequencies and stuff like that all kind of music involved Mm. yeah how and when did you get started playing dual links uh you've been around since just about the beginning right
1: yeah. So, um, I found out that apparently, uh, the app store on Apple now has like a pre-order app thing, which is like going to GameStop and pre-order, I, I, but that's why I found it. Um, I, I saw in the app store on the front page, it had like a, like an apps you'll love or whatever, and it had dual links. And I was like, Yu-Gi-Oh, I haven't touched this franchise in like, you know, 15 some odd years. And when you're, when you're in college, you, you get these like you really want something nostalgic to like bring you back because college is kind of rough sometimes. And you realize that you're becoming an adult and don't have as much time to invest in, in that kind of stuff. So, um, I saw it and at first I was like, I don't want all this pendulum link yeehaw stuff that I don't know anything about. But when I looked into it and I was like, Oh, it's actually like the cards that I know and like characters that I know. So I gave it a fair shot that way. And yeah, I've been with the game since day one Um, I haven't played consistently. Um, There have definitely been some points in time when I took a break from the game, like kind of didn't enjoy the meta or didn't really like what, you know, what was being played at the time. Um, But yeah, I've at least been aware of the game and following it since it came out uh, global release in 2017.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean with the college thing. For me and my buddies, it was uh, Pokemon ROMs. On the Uh, uh, (laughs) Game Boy emulator. Yeah, I played a lot of like original Pokemon Blue in college because life Mm -hmm. is stressful and you just want to feel like you're eight again when nothing really has consequence.
1: Yeah, the only important stuff when you're eight is like what's on TV Saturday morning and how many cheese nips are left in the cabinet or whatever.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of funny too that you mentioned like you looked at Yu Gi Oh! and you're like, oh, yeah, I know all these cards. It's not all this stuff that's completely foreign to me because I kind of had a similar thing. I've shared this little how I got started in Duel Links thing on a different episode, but I'll rehash it here for the sake of conversation. And now mm. that I have a fancy mic, I won't torture people by having to go back and listen to previous episodes. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing. I was uh, I was bored one day at home, didn't really want to play anything on the PlayStation anymore, you know. So I was just browsing through the app store. What kind of cool mobile game we got, you know? And uh, saw Duel Links. I was like, oh yeah, Yu Gi Oh. I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh in forever, man. This is awesome. Except I didn't come in right at the launch when we were still doing like a two tribute summon. If you can get that out on the board, means you win. Yeah. I I jumped in right in the height of like the ancient gear power. Yeah, the ancient gear. Ah, Oh, okay, okay. Supernova power level. So I jumped in and I'm like, yeah, so I'm gonna get you know my my raider on the field and then i'm going to get my mystical elf on the field and then i will tribute those two cards to bring blue eyes white dragon out and win and boom i get smacked in the face by an ancient gear reactor dragon that's on the board turn one no yeah. idea what hit me it was like oh wow <laughs> yeah so i actually bounced off of it really quick because it, it wasn't the Yu-Gi-Oh i remembered at all and mm-hmm. for uh for whatever reason i decided to come back to it and give it another try and that's when I really fell in love with the game, it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. They've just made everything way faster and better and more interactive.
1: Mm, I, I think that's fair. It, it I, I played for a while when it first dropped um, and couldn't get econ. And you needed econ at the time for, for ranked. Um, so I kind of quit, you know, a month or two after it came out for a while. And then when I came back right before GX started, that was when it really like hooked me. So I, I think I had a similar experience. Like it took me one or two tries to really get into it.
0: Yeah, I feel that way now with Book of Moon a little bit. It's, ah, oh, I need it. <laughs> but do I really want to, like, gamble 200 gems away for, like, a 1 in 300 chance just to actually get it? Yeah,
1: and only to have one of it after after you you gamble successfully once.
0: Yeah, it seems like every deck that's posted on, like, oh, yeah, top four in a tournament, two hatronade hey, three Book of Moon, you're like, oh, man, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to replicate this. What's your proudest moment in dual links? what uh what memory do you have that you're the most fond of? Mm. that
1: that's, oh man. I, if you're just speaking strictly within the game, it's hard for me to answer because believe it or not, I am not a super competitive player. I love the competitive community. I'm very active in it, but I am not a competitor. Um, I, I guess <laughs> for me, because of my you know my experience of not being competitive, uh, to to hit stage two in the in the February KC Cup with photons after it came out and everybody was kind of like oh this is just a meme OTK deck and it kind of dropped off the face of the planet I was about the only person playing it at least in the matches I played so that was fun and then I guess you could follow that up with um, I, I set <sighs> ranked is not super important to me and in general I think in Duel Links But I I set, I told myself I wanted to hit Legend like every season with Photon like as much as I could. So now I'm up to every season since they've released. I've hit Legend with only Photon. Um, I've played some things in Legend outside of Photon. Like I played a little bit of Shooting Star and some Resonators and stuff. But I wanted to like at least prove that it's it's not as painful as everybody thought it would be. Um, It's still really painful. But yeah, I would say either either stage two KC cup with photon or five legends in a row with photon. I I know those don't sound very impressive at all because everybody else does those all the time. But for me as someone who doesn't play super competitively, it means a lot to me.
0: No, that's awesome. Yeah. Don't ever sell yourself short. I mean, I don't really think that everybody who plays this game is super successful at it. I just think the only thing we see is the people who are really successful being proud of it and sharing it. So it kind of, creates like this reporting bias like all the people who are stuck in like platinum rank aren't going to be like yeah man hit platinum rank and got stuck there for the eighth season in a row that's yeah that's nothing somebody really wants to share so don't sell yourself short
1: yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> it's just, you know, you always see every, every like, 15,000 Coglis posted all over the internet everywhere. So I'm like, yeah, Photon Legend. Like, yeah, woo,
0: I did it. I, I used Galaxy Photon Burst correctly. Hooray.
1: <laughs> it's good enough for me. And that's what matters, because I'm the one playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of funny. We actually kind of have, like, the same proudest moment. Mine is also a February KC Cup. Except mine was like the first one I, I could ever play. And I was like two or three weeks into the game at that point. And I was oh, like, nice. yeah, so I was struggling in rookie rank and trying to figure out the game again and uh, ended up doing that. everybody does. You Google best Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links decks for beginners <laughs> or whatever, and ended up with uh, Super Heavy Samurai.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: And then once I kind of learned like the ins and outs of how to build a deck and what you want to look for, and like how to look for synergies, and then how to actually play a specific archetype or style, that's when everything like really took off and uh, super heavies. And then eventually, six samurai took me to the second stage of the Casey Cup. And after like three weeks of playing the game, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm actually kind of good at it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's impressive since I've played since 2017 and February was my first KC Cup stage two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your favorite card or archetype in Duel links? Ooh,
1: well, my favorite... <laughs> well I was going to say my favorite card has nothing to do with my favorite archetype.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dish, let's hear it.
1: Uh, so my favorite card is Stardust Dragon, uh, I I freaking love Stardust and the fifteen thousand variants. Whether whether it's good or not, I don't care. I love Stardust. Um, uh, I w- when I got out of Yu Gi Oh was like when GX era was kind of new and I was a little kid and dumb and I was like a school for card games. That's stupid. And I stopped <laughs> caring entirely. Um, <laughs> and so in high school, when five Ds was a thing, um, I was always real hard on on the kids that played Yu Gi Oh in high school. Which I'm like. I'm not any better i still play video games and stuff i'm still in that same like the nerd category um yeah, high school, but high school al- <laughs> that's true um i always was like haha dumb card game motorcycle show haha but like then when i like started playing Duel links and like I, then i got into like legacy of the Duelist one summer during college um i actually sat down and watched 5ds and um now i am the the biggest simp for 5Ds and all of its archetypes and characters and so yeah stardust is uh <laughs> my favorite hands down um but favorite archetype is is 100% galaxy eyes photon you know um i've played the tcg deck now i've been playing on sim a, a little bit lately cuz i'm planning to try to get into tcg um yeah galaxy eyes actually isn't bad <laughs> in the full game but I love their art and I'm, I'm super into like sci-fi space type stuff. So I love that we get some, like a dragon that is from space and like a bunch of, you know, space Marine looking dudes. Like I love the aesthetic and I love, I love the play style. It's really fast and visceral. Like, you know, put a bunch of stuff out and just swing for face. No, no fancy, like, you know, footsie kind of games with back row or anything. So. Yeah, Photon, Galaxy Eyes, whatever you want to call it. Definitely favorite archetype for
0: me. I'm actually hoping uh, Kite has another unlock event coming up soon. I think he might or he's returning to the game. Because I, yeah. uh, I missed the Kite event, so I'm kind of locked out applying Galaxy Photons. It was actually sad for me because it does look like a really cool archetype. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like when it works, oh, it works. You got Galaxy Photon on the field already. You got the photon burst quick play spell and you're just banishing things left and right, leaving them wide open and smashing them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I do think the unlock event is coming back. Cause I just saw the cards got leaked. The new ones that they're adding. Um, they're not good, <laughs>
0: but oh, no. the,
1: he is coming back and I'm pretty sure he'll probably, cause like you need photon advancer is what you need. Like you have to have advancer to play the deck. And, uh, cause I get that a lot in my chat. Like, when I'm streaming and I'm playing Photon, people are like, I want to play this deck, but I want to advance her. I'm like, that's so sad that like the one time an event card is like absolutely necessary to play a deck. And they like just kind of forget about kite for like four months. It's been kind of wild.
0: Yeah. The thing I never understood is why they don't add those cards to like the UR pool. Not like Dream Ticket at UR pool, like one of the Ranked Duel U- UR pools or anything like mm-hmm. that. Give people who are like actively participating in the game and playing it. The option to like make up for lost time or missed time
1: right and they they do sometimes because i remember i was trying to build harpies and i somehow missed um oracle but then i got a ur ticket and it was in there already like a week or two after the event ended i was like
0: what like this never happens yeah oracle is like not like essential to harpy but if you want to play it at like a really high level you kind of need that you need the special summon and spell recycle from oracle mm-hmm. it helps the deck out a lot you're a huge 5ds fan i'm actually a pretty big 5ds fan too that's mm-hmm. the uh, only other like anime series that i've watched other than like the original
1: yeah, and, yeah.
0: Uh, we're gonna have to go head to head sometime because i'm a i'm a red dragon archfiend guy Ooh, yeah okay. way better than yeah. stardust he's cooler he's, he's edgier <laughs> he's stronger Red Dragon Arch is where it's at. You, no Stardust here.
1: You, you don't you don't hear me arguing this to be honest. I mean <laughs> the Resonator deck is literally shooting star, but good. Like I'm not gonna argue. It's, it's yeah, hyper
0: consistent with more options and you can actually play through disruption. Yeah. It's not like oh floodgate or karma cut and you're done.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I will argue. I, I love the card, I love Stardust, I love the whole archetype around it, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 the same thing as Dark Magician and Blue Eyes. It's the classic, you know. The Dark Magician is is the main character's card, but the Blue Eyes is just better because it's the same requirements to summon, but better stats. I think I think it's the same with with RDA and Shooting Star or uh, Stardust. Yeah, absolutely,
0: Jack Atlas is literally wearing the same trench coat as Kyra. It's just purple instead of red. Yep. Yep. No. <laughs> so what are you playing now is it still galaxy photon is there something else you're messing around with what uh what are you playing What decks what cards what archetypes
1: um i tend to play a little bit of everything i like to to see what is available and like you know i like to go back to old decks and see how they still stand up so um yeah i'm still playing galaxy eyes um i'm doing ranked as per usual this month so you know i'm still playing photon with that um I started playing Six Sam lately because I noticed I was really close to having all the cards I needed and then with the the $1 UR sale I ended up getting the last of the stuff. So I've been playing Six Sam a little bit, not not too much. Um what I've been playing lately and I I already know that I'm going to get, you know, crucified for saying it, but uh, I've been playing a lot of uh Noble Knights actually. Oh, okay. That's um, not as
0: bad as I thought it was going to be. All right it depends <laughs>
1: <laughs> i like um you know when it, when a deck gets hit on a ban list it typically goes through a period where people will kind of avoid it like the plague because like blue eyes is still really really good but you don't see it nearly as
0: much oh, yeah absolutely
1: um yeah so as soon as balance got hit everyone immediately just dumped noble knights and so i i was messing around i hang out in really small uh dueling streams on twitch a lot because you know, there's really cool people that stream and play it live, and um, I was playing in a King of the Hill room, and I was like, I should try Noble Knights just for fun, because everyone always hated this deck so much, and I love that kind of aesthetic and, like, you know, anything with knights. Um, so I was like, I'm going to give this a try, and, like, it's actually still <laughs> it's pretty good, like... It's not as dumb consistent as it was with balance, but they still have so many ways of setting themselves up. Like, it's kind of insane that people don't play it more. I know every once in a while it gets like, it might have like a battle phase entry or like maybe a meta weekly or something. But like, it shocks me that people have dropped it so hard because like, I mean, it doesn't do well against stuff that's big now, but like it's still a really solid deck
0: Yeah, that deck always gives me problems oh, i yeah. haven't d- i hated playing against <laughs> i haven't done like the super deep dive on it to figure out where like the one weak link in the chain is that i need to attack but like that deck is such a pain for me because i feel like every time i do something oh, okay they're just gonna recycle their spells bring out another monster oh xyz summon and now they're sending stuff to the grave and i'm open and i lose again
1: yeah they're really, really good at recovery. Like, they can get everything back so quick without even without even noticing that they've done it half yeah, the time. Yeah, when I
0: was first playing that deck, it's like, oh, I gotta get that equip spell to the grave. And then you send it to the grave, and it just goes right back out <laughs> on the field. And you're like, well, I did absolutely nothing. Great. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's something I love doing, is like, when a deck gets hit and everyone stops playing it, I like to be like, well, why? Like, I always enjoy playing those decks to see what the heck everyone dropped it for and i can't figure it out like the they i i have seen almost the same level of consistency as there's definitely been bricks but like even without balance i've seen almost the same level of consistency as when they were on the tier list getting played all the time i i have no idea why everyone dropped it i'm sure someone will 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 explain it to me because <laughs> I, I don't know it's weird yeah. but yeah it's been really fun to yeah.
0: play that's a that's a future episode that i want to do is kind of the topic being how the meta list or tier list shapes the way everybody plays because you hit on it earlier like blue eyes got hit and it's off the tier list now but that deck is still really good and really strong and it's a little slower now and it has a little less options but that deck once it starts rolling it's like a semi truck it you're not gonna stop it. You're just gonna get hit mm-hmm. by it. When you said you were gonna make people mad at you, I thought you were gonna say like you're playing a lot of harpies. Because that seems to be the deck that everybody <laughs> loves to hate now. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, it that's what took blue eyes' place as the uh the deck up on the cross. I, I I've tried harpies and I cannot vibe with them. I don't know why. Like I respect the people that play them, but for some reason they just don't mesh well with me. I don't really enjoy and when it comes to when it comes to me picking what kind of deck I want to play, if I enjoy piloting it is a huge part of it. Like the power level is important, but not nearly as much as if it's like I don't enjoy playing it. I don't care how good it is. I'm not going to play it.
0: it. Seems like that's something pretty common with Harpies, where people tend to bounce off of it. I actually had the same thing happen to me when we signed the Harpies box released. I went all in on it. I was like oh, yeah, this is my chance to, like, jump onto a tiered deck. So went in, went through the box three times, got everything I needed, had Oracle. I didn't miss the event. And had the deck. Played it, and I was like, oh, this is awful. This is, like, really bad. I'm not enjoying it. I'm losing. Am I just bad? Then don't know how to play this deck, or is this deck just bad itself, and everybody's overhyping it? Mm. So I bounced off of it and then eventually I came back to it with the uh KCGT going on. I figured, all right, let's let's try it. Let's give it another go. And I actually made dual level max with it. Uh, oh, it really? It was an easy run. Yeah, it was an easy run for me. Typically to get to, like dual level max, I'm like a 80 to 100 win kind of guy, so I'm just grinding grinding a match 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 yeah. match. I made uh, level twenty-five in like forty-something matches this time around.
1: That's pretty solid. Like,
0: yeah, I don't know what happened, but I hit the ground running with it, and it's been great ever since. I think the thing that really hangs people up on the deck or turns them off from it is there's not a lot of monster combos that are actually viable with the deck. Mm-hmm. You really only have one that that's. Effective unilaterally, it's the one you want to get into into any situation, and that's Chandler discard to summon Perfumer, activate Perfumer's effect, get a Feather Rest into the hand, Synchro uh, three monsters from the grave back into the deck, and then you draw two. That's like the only viable monster combo you have. So the deck is really shaped based around the spells and traps that you include in it. So it's trying to tinker with those spells and traps to get it to fit the way you like to play.
1: Mm. And it's a lot of like mind game, like very kind of control or like grindy type thing. And I'm more of the like fast paced kind of, I like something that's like, keeps my attention and, and has a lot of plays and looks flashy. It may not end in the best play, but looks, looks fancy. Um, so I, I I totally understand the kind of player that wants to play it. It's just that eh, it's not me. <laughs> I can't slow down and be like, I got to activate this at this point in time. And like, you have to kind of be able to think ahead. And uh, I'm more of the unga bunga go face kind of person. So
0: <laughs> yeah, as somebody whose first competitive deck in Duel Links was Super Heavy Samurai. Yeah, I, I, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just want to smash you twice with the souped up Stealth Ninja. But uh, yeah, but Harpies has been really good to me, so I, I've turned the corner on it. I'm actually kind of excited about it, too, because I I thought I had just wasted like 8,000 gems on almost nothing.
1: Yeah, it's like finding 20 bucks in your pocket from like pants from two weeks ago.
0: So you mentioned Twitch. You have a YouTube channel, too, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little everywhere on the Internet these days, it feels like.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I feel like that's most people. Hmm my first introduction to you was actually through your YouTube channel. You do a uh, history of dual links uh, series. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed as somebody who got into it late. It was really cool for me to get like that glimpse of the past and kind of see how the game developed and progressed and how we got to the point where we're at. You do a really great job with that. I love it.
1: Well, th- thanks. And and thanks for watching it. It's, I know it's one of those, like, you know, it's something that honestly kind of surprised me that nobody else was doing well the irony is that i started it um oh man a few months ago maybe in march or april i think is when the first one hit and right around the same time duel links entertainment started a series of the exact same name completely different premise but the exact same name and i'm like how did this happen um because theirs is more like it feels more like a like a progression style thing because they play the decks they don't really do much of of the history behind the sets or like reviewing the cards, they just play the old decks against each other to see, you know, which ones are better or to show people what the game looked like then. Um, okay. But yeah, it is so
0: just trying to relive the glory days. Then,
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have. Um, I, I think there's, it has just as much merit because, you know, it's, you actually get to see, I don't really play the decks cause I don't, I don't have a lot of those cards, um, but it, it's nice to get to actually want to dig for. No, heck no. I don't want to dig into Ultimate Rising. (laughs) There's like one card out of it that's viable. Okay, maybe two. Spear, Karibo, and uh, Fusion Gate. Oh, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, One of the things I love about your videos, too, is you get right into it. There's not really a lot of preamble. There's not a lot of fluff. You're just like, all right, this is our topic, and we're off. Let's cover the topic. Get in, get out, and have a good time.
1: Wow, that's honestly kind of surprising here because every time I write a script, I'm like, "This intro is way too long." Like, I, I feel like I ramble too much before I get started. But
0: no, hmm, maybe I need to all.
1: watch watch them back again. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're you're always your biggest critic, right? So that doesn't surprise me that you're a little down on yourself on it. But they're great. I love it's them. True. Yeah, especially and I've,
1: I've always been. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No. Yeah, especially for like someone like me, who still has a full time job, like they're perfect lunch break material, you just, you know, get your sandwich all set up, ready to go, throw it on, put the headphones in and, you know, can cover an entire episode during lunch.
1: Yeah. And that's like, that's exactly kind of what I wanted to hit because, you know, I could go some, some people have asked me like, why don't you miss this card in this box? Or you didn't talk about this character or you didn't talk about this. I'm like, I can't do everything because as much as I want to, And I would love to be able to sit there and do like two hour episodes and be like, and this is when Pegasus came to the game with these free, like, I wanted it to be kind of like, cause I love like, you know, watching YouTube or something while I'm taking a lunch break or whatever. So I didn't want it to be like an hour and a half video about ultimate rising because a lot of the cards, what else can you say other than it is a normal monster that is not playable and never was next. Um, So I always wanted the vibe of like, I wanted something that covered the history because even like, you know, Duel Links meta is like the centerpiece of the community. Um, but even DLM doesn't have very much info about the game's like development and release. And especially from the first episode of history, um, its reception and what people in the, in the mobile gaming sphere thought of Duel Links. Um, so I was like, we need, we need a way to preserve that info because, You know, when you when you look at how far into the game we are, we're all it's only four years. And like it feels very fast because Konami's tried to get summoning mechanics out like once a year to try to catch us up. But like the TCG has been going for what, 20 some odd years in in the West. So like uh, there's a long way to go. And I think that things will look very different in a few years. So I want some way to be able to look back and see what the game looked like. Because, you know, I covered the KC Cup, the first KC Cup in a recent episode, and some people are like, well, we all know what that is because we're all playing and it's still there. And I'm like, yeah, but if you think five or ten years down the road, there may not be a KC Cup anymore. They may not do it anymore.
0: Absolutely.
1: So it's nice to be able to, like, take a step back and see what where the game started and and how it progressed.
0: Yeah, it's a great little time capsule for what was there at the at the moment. And like you said too as much as you'd love to cover everything i think having limits or restrictions actually makes it more informed instead of trying to cover everything you're just trying to hit on all the important points it is a time capsule you only have so much space what's actually important enough to put in that little space
1: right and and some people have have made the suggestion of like you should cover events old old events you know some that we don't have anymore like the like Journey to Duelist Kingdom event. Like we don't, they've never redone or set sail for the kingdom or whatever it was called. Like we've never gotten that one again. And I think I want to do that maybe retroactively, but like, you know, right now the structure of an episode is usually some kind of quick intro to kind of, to, you know, set the stage of where the game is. And then I usually do a couple of box reviews in order by release. Um, And then I do a meta snapshot where I talk about what's good back then or what was being played competitively. And then if there's some kind of, you know, any other info like tournaments or events or something big happening, then I usually save that for the end. Um, But something like an event episode would be good, I think, because there are a lot of events that people, you know, there's some cards that we can't get that are locked in old events. They've never redone for whatever reason. So I think that that I think that's a good suggestion. It's just something that. I don't know how to fit it in with the current structure. And since I already haven't been doing it, I don't want to disrupt the flow. So it may be like a filler episode. Be like, hey, we're going to talk about events this month or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be a good episode. Uh, If you ever get around to it, I'd definitely watch it. Because the one you brought up, Journey to Duelist Kingdom, never heard of it. No idea that it even existed up until this moment.
1: Yeah, it's like the Duelist Chronicles, like the one for Zexel that we just got, but it was all dual, like Duelist Kingdom themed.
0: Okay, so hearkening back to like the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all the way back in the in the very start of the game because like multiply a spell card for Kari- like Karibo support is only in that event. They've never re-released that <laughs> card.
0: Yeah, Silent Paladin's another one that kind of grinds my gears because yes. I'm a I'm a Silent Swordsman. I guess simp would be a good word. I love the archetype. <laughs> That the, the dude's just cool and his effects are awesome. But yeah, the fact that yeah. I don't have a Silent Paladin to toss into my deck and I, I, the only way I can get it is to use a Super Rare Dream Ticket really bugs me because I'm not using the Super Rare Dream Ticket on an archetype that's already been phased out of the game.
1: Right. And the, the worst part is there are no rare or normal Dream Tickets. So like Multiply is a rare... So there is no way to get it at all. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of wild. You'd think that at least throw it in like a random box that they're issuing or even a selection box. Just like, hey, if you want all these cards that you're locked out from selection box, you can at least get lucky once or twice every year.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: What else are you working on on YouTube right now?
1: Um, well, um, I'm actually in the process of moving across the globe <laughs> Um, so all of my content is kind of paused at the moment. I'm doing some planning for the future and some, some prototyping on things. But, um, the, uh, the next episode of, of history is going to be about the, um, the world championship qualifiers for 2017 and how Konami split the worlds into TCG and dual links, um, Because I want to do a longer episode on the first worlds because there's a lot of info about it. And like Konami did like a whole documentary type thing for worlds 2017. And like they interviewed players and like there's actual footage of matches. So my plan for the future, at least right now, is for a big episode on the world championships for history. Hopefully that can come out in maybe I'm hoping for the next episode in July. I do it once a month, but June, I'm, I'm, there's too much happening. So it's not, there's not going to be one. Um, So July, hopefully, uh, worlds qualifiers episode. And then after that, do something big for the actual worlds. Um, let's see what else. Um, I, I haven't done another one yet. I need to about, uh, missing links. It's kind of like archetype archive, uh, from rank 10. If you've ever watched Rada's stuff. Um, never heard of but that. it's okay. Yeah. It's basically just like talking about all the cards in an archetype, talk about the theme of it, what they're supposed to do, and then reviewing the cards. Um, so I do the same thing, but I also introduce cards that are in TCG or OCG, um, that we don't have in Duel links and discuss whether or not those cards could viably come, whether they would just break the game, if they showed up, um, and what the archetype would look like if they did. So I did one on Dark Magician because um, when I did it, that was when everyone was playing uh, Star Seraph, Dark Magician. So I talked about stuff like Magician Souls from the TCG and like, can we get this card or this card or whatever? Um, I want to do more of those because I love videos that, that cover archetypes. I, I think those are really cool. So I want to do more on that because I got a lot of requests about which archetype to do next. Um, and then, yeah, so... The, the channel is still really small. It's only a couple hundred subs. So part of and I don't understand YouTube analytics too much. Shout out to my boy Jeff for helping me with YouTube analytics because I know nothing about it. Um, but the, the the game that you kind of have to play is like you kind of have to find a way for people to get their eyes on your channel first. So I've been playing the game of waiting for news to drop and then doing my honest best to make a video That is a little higher quality than people normally try to do for breaking news to try to get the algorithm to like, you know, show people my stuff. (laughs) Um, And then with with history and missing links and and the deck profile stuff that I do, hopefully people will watch my other stuff and be like, oh, I kind of like this. So that's that's been the strategy, at least with YouTube as of late. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a good strategy. Unfortunately, all of us are a slave to the algorithm, but you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and uh let's uh let's try to get some eyes on your channel. Why don't you uh, shout out your channel or anything else you want right now so if people like your content or like your voice, they can hear more of it.
1: Yeah, uh, if you just go to YouTube and search for uh history of duel links uh the the not uh the not duel links entertainment one, you'll find my stuff. Um, when I when I suggest my channel, that's usually what I recommend people watch first um, because it's kind of the flagship of my, oh yeah, it's like the second or third entry. Like if you scroll down a couple after you search History of Duel Links. Um, yeah, I always recommend people start there because that's kind of where my channel started and and kind of the main and what it revolves around. Um, so yeah, on YouTube, watch History of Duel Links. Um, it's by far my best performing stuff and uh, I, I do it. I do it so that people who've never seen the beginning of the game can learn what it's like and how we got to, you know, synchros and Xyz and everything. It's fun to kind of see what it used to be like. Um, But actually my, uh, my, my whole, I guess, entrance to the dual links community started on Twitch. Um, I started on Twitch way before I started doing YouTube. Um, So on Twitch, it's uh, a twitch.tv slash the underscore diatonic. Um, I'm, Again, it's paused over there because of my move and stuff, but I'm usually live um, about four nights a week um, and pretty much all of my streams are open duel rooms with themes. So I do anti-meta Monday where I ban all of the top tier archetypes and staples. Uh, I do King of the Hill on Fridays. Um, I run a tournament on Saturdays, which is themed around uh, Duelist Kingdom. And then I do a lot of casting for for uh, team leagues too. a lot Um uh, so I'm, I'm a voice, uh, for, uh, Duel Links Team Wars, Battle of Clans, Top Clan League, like any kind of team-based Yu-Gi-Oh! competition that isn't Clan Wars. Call me Decade, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will, you'll probably hear me at some point in the booth for those. And, uh, I'm very, very passionate about, uh, about casting and about the, the team competitions, um, I think that's enough shilling. <laughs> that's mostly what I do, at least. That co- that covers everything <laughs> there, I do. Nothing
0: wrong with a little self-promotion. Yeah, check out his videos. Um, Missing Links is really good. I actually watched the Dark Magician one that you talked about. And what I like mm-hmm. is that you're not just somebody who's trying to be a champion or pioneer for their favorite archetype. You're really reasonable about like, yeah, this is a cool card that I thought I should mention, but probably not good for dual Links, at least with where we're at right now.
1: Mm-hmm yeah, and it's hard because i'm not I'm not a huge dark magician fan. So even I thought it was the best place to start because it was a deck that was popular at the time. And it's like, you know, one of the two cards that ever that like my mom knows what what dark magician is. Um, but it's hard because I'm not a huge fan of the i love I love the aesthetic, but I don't really like how the deck plays. So it was a challenge to make. um, but yeah, I, I like to give everything equal coverage, even if I don't like it. Like there's so many decks that I don't enjoy that. I'm like, I need to do a video on this because it's one that I know people like, or it's one that doesn't get a lot of attention, whether I like it or not, isn't really important. That's not really, you know, it's not the main thing when I'm trying to decide what to cover.
0: Me too. Um, I'm actually working on a deck deep dive where I just take a deck or an archetype, break it down and then go through all the ins and outs of it. And, I ended up deciding on Blue Eyes, much for the same reason you did. Dark Magician. That's probably the other card your mom can name, and you know, definitely it's it's iconic. It, it was hard not to have the first deck deep dive be like one of the icons of Yu-Gi-Oh. And, mm-hmm,
1: definitely, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I was I was kind of a hater of the deck too when it was at its height. I was one <laughs> of the people throwing salt at it. But now that I've actually had the chance to experiment with it and play it, and I actually really like the deck now, and I don't think it's a as obnoxious as everybody claimed it was at its height.
1: Nah, and I never really felt that way about Blue Eyes. My my Twitch chat can can vouch for me on that. I was never really that big on hating on Blue Eyes. I, I have other decks I have Bones to pick with, but not not Blue Eyes. Blue Eyes is fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, same here. I was a Metaphys player, so, you know.
1: Oh, ah, okay, okay, yeah.
0: Banish them, get them, banish the special summons. It, it was perfect deck for me. <laughs> And then it got even better when they switched from Ultimate Providence to Karma Cut being like the go-to trap. It was like, oh, great, you're just going to banish my monster for me? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank
1: you for giving me the fuel. I really appreciate it. Thanks, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great time in the meta for me. It was kind of fun playing a rogue deck, too, instead of trying to chase the meta for once. For sure. Another YouTube video you just did was a Resonators breakdown. And that's actually why we have you on today, because I wanted to talk about resonators. It's the hot deck, and it's part of a series five Ds that we both love, and an archetype mm. that I think is so much better than Stardust.
1: <laughs> Again, hard agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's it's
1: an archetype that we are. I guess it's kind of started to settle, but it still feels like people are teching in new things to it. So it's really still very active in terms of of labbing and experimenting.
0: Absolutely. I've actually done some experimenting with it myself and not with like the full power meta version because, again, no Book of Moon, but it's been fun to experiment with and see if there's like a B plus version or free to play version that's actually pretty decent and listen for the results. All right, now the moment everybody's been waiting for, a resonator breakdown. So when i'm looking at a deck i like to divide the cards up into one of three categories core cards fringe cards and other cards core cards being core or essential to the deck you can't play the deck without them fringe cards being right on the cusp of being core where they really add a lot to the deck and if you have them in there it's gonna really kick up the power level but You either can't fit all those cards in there because of limited lists or just deck space, or you can play a reasonably functioning deck without it. And then other cards are exactly that. They're just other options that might fill a niche role or might fill a role that the meta is demanding, but you don't need them to have this deck be like legend worthy or sometimes even king of games worthy. So those are basically just your random tech options. That being said, what do you think the core cards of the Resonator archetype or Resonator deck are?
1: Hmm. I think I think the core of the deck comes from a couple different places. There's a mix of stuff that that dropped when when 5D's era hit and then there's some newer stuff because like, you know, Crimson Resonator is is 100% a card you need to play the deck. It is like the end all be all first card you play pretty much every duel. Um, and it's brand new, like, in the set where all of the new Resonator stuff came from. Um, and, like, Resonator Call, the spell card, it's just tuning, basically, but for Resonators instead. And you don't have to mill one. <laughs> um, let's see. Then some, like, older stuff. Uh, like, Red Resonator is is one. You pretty much gotta play Crimson and Red Resonator, um, to, to fulfill the, the requirement for the skill to be able to use uh, Demon's Resonance. Um... And, like, along those same lines, uh, Wandering King Wildwind is really important to the deck, and he just got put in as a a new card in the regular trader inventory, like, right before the deck came out. So there's, like, no reason not to have him.
0: Yeah, savvy move Um, on their part. They know what they were releasing, and they're like, here's the perfect mm -hmm. card for it.
1: Yeah, they knew everyone was going to was going to need it because I didn't have three. I think I had like one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was another uh, then, card
0: I missed was Wildland. Same. So. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. And then like uh, Red Rising Dragon, one of the uh, the ranked tickets, you uh, are ranked tickets. Um, those you when I, when I built Resonators, like when they were brand spanking new and I built them on stream and started playing them, I did not have three Red Risings and that taught me the important lesson that you should have 3 red rising dragons to run the deck um because he's like the first piece of, of the of the synchro ladder that you have to like climb up to get to your bigger stuff um so he is he's super important um i i i want to say that that dark end dragon is is core i don't know like he's really really good in the deck but I guess if you don't have it, it's not the end of the world. Um He's so good because you can just remove a monster from your opponent's board. You can get rid of it, like put it in the grave, but it doesn't destroy it. So you get around some on destruction effects or monsters that can't be destroyed by card effects or whatever. Um, but there are some other things you could probably put in the deck. So I don't know. I would say it's like. At least um in, in the categories you described, it's it's probably balancing somewhere between core and fringe.
0: Yeah, I definitely have Dark End Dragon as core. He's one of the like, essential synchro cards you need for that deck. If you want to go the infernity route or the red nova route, that's fine. But like Dark End just adds so much, it's hard to mm-hmm. really imagine King of Games worthy deck not having them in there.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Yeah, I think he is is super good. Good. Yeah, (laughs) I think we have pretty much the same core list because I had this jotted down. It's Crimson Resonator, uh, Red Resonator, Wandering King, Wild Wind, Resonator Call, Red Rising Dragon. Obviously, that's what lets you climb into all your, you know, your Synchro Dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had Darkened Dragon. And then the the one Dark Dragon that I was kind of oscillating between core and fringe on was Infernity Doom Dragon. I ended up settling oh, yeah. Yeah, I ended up settling him into the fringe category just because he's really useful and he's a great turn one play if you're not quite sure what you're up against yet. But you can leave him out and I think you'd be okay because he's he's a strong beater, but his effect really only works with no cards in the hand, and that's kind of situational.
1: Yeah, I I definitely can say that I've gotten a couple of of OTKs with Infernity, but those have been like very lucky occasions and not often enough to to make it a strategy to aim for when I play the deck. So, yeah, because I I definitely think he's more of a fringe like you can you can swap him out for something else. I think Um, if you have him, I mean, yeah, really good to go into 3K like it's really hard to kill him on turn one right away. And even if he does die, you don't lose anything super important to your to your win con. So, yeah, he he's probably a core in my or not a uh, fringe, not core <laughs> fringe in my mind. Still good, though.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing I had under core uh, with big exclamation points around it was back row hate. Like this deck um, absolutely hates playing in the back row, which is why you need cards that are going to get rid of it for you. Because a well-timed Karma can really mess your day up. Yes. Yeah. And
1: I think that if if you're gonna if we need back row hate as a core, I I would I would fight to the end of time for Hey <laughs> Yeah,
0: Hey Trinade is essential for any deck that doesn't like back row. It's just the catch-all for it.
1: Yeah, it, it solves all of your especially if you're going second and you're up against harpies and they've got three back row, it's like, do you have trunade? If yes. Then there's a duel. If not, then there is not a duel. The duel is over. Yeah, basically.
0: absolutely. You're done. Mm. All right. What about? I, I've go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, fringe. Right. Um, hmm. Well, yeah. I. Hmm. St- Either Dark End is is like one of my lower core, or like one of the highest fringe cards in terms of like how important I think they are. Um. I I definitely put infernity doom dragon under fringe too um let's see what else um doom caliber knight um man i don't know i i i i have some notes that i took and i put him under fringe but like now that i've played the deck a lot in like kcgt and stuff i don't know he almost does feel more important than fringe to me like The only thing that holds him back, in my opinion, is that you do not get to choose. Because he has an effect where uh, whenever a monster effect is activated, you can tribute him and negate and destroy that monster. Um, But you don't get to choose. So whatever effect activates next, whether it's on your side of the field or the opponent's, he's going off. And I think that's the only thing that has kind of kept him as like a... He's really good, and if you have him, there's no reason not to use him, but... Like you can survive without him i th- I think,
0: yeah, um, friendly fire is always a negative
1: for sure. um I think solemn scolding is the same. Um I know people are really, really hype about it um, because it has a ridiculous life point cost for dual links, but it's so easy because this deck has so much life gain in it um. But I also am kind of like, you know, I've I've seen some builds lately that are kind of dropping solemn and just going with more traditional back row stuff in, instead. Um, but solemn is nice because it can negate pretty much anything, like summons and monster effects and stuff. Um, oh no, I can't remember the name of it. There's a there's a um, a, uh, a counter trap. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like. If your opponent activates, oh, uh, Dark Illusion, when a spell or trap card or monster effect is activated, that negates a dark monster or targets a dark monster on the field, negate and destroy that card. Um, That one, I've been like, people have asked me, like, I don't have Solemn because, you know, it's not really been relevant up to now. So some people didn't use SR tickets on it. Um, So I've always been like Dark Illusion is a pretty solid sub for it. Um, Not as good, but still like it worked when i was playing it before i had solemn's
0: In my uh my budget resonator deck that i've been building towards the full power meta one i actually use mm. dark illusion so i was hoping yeah you bring it's that a good up. choice yeah it's great because that's all you have is dark monsters they're all dark dragons so it's perfect right <laughs>
1: right um and i guess uh i guess i would probably put um uh bane hot red dragon archfiend bane is in as a fringe too um like, cause you know, it's really easy to make a level ten with this deck. Um, I I don't really find his uh, his uh, tuner special summon thing to be particularly like useful. It's nice, but it's not like you know you got to get this effect off or whatever. Um, but having a thirty five k body that you can make pretty easy is is really nice. I mean, <laughs> but I I think you probably would be okay if you didn't have him or you wanted to try to run something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: he's a uh, he's the finisher, and I think there's two finishers that you can rotate between in this deck, depending on what you want in your extra deck. And that's Hot Red Dragon Archfiend Bane, which is like one of the worst names for a card ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Red Nova Dragon is probably the other finisher you can have. You get those two on the board, and they're going to put people away.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, but I think that would I think those would be my my fringes, uh, dark end maybe. Uh, Infernity doom, Doom Cal bane scolding and the mm, dark illusion maybe maybe that's maybe that's on the, on the border of fringe and other.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have Doom caliber Knight just the since he's buried in an older box that kind of walls him off for some people who aren't willing to dig for it or use an ultra Rare drink ticket on it and the self pop too. and then solemn scolding. Just because if you're still building the deck or you have a major way to get Red Resonator, that 3,000 life points is a pretty big cost to get that out there. Mm-hmm. And then I have Hot Red Dragon, Archfiend, Bane. Uh, I have Red Dragon, Archfiend, Red Nova Dragon, and then Infernity Doom Dragon. And then, mm, okay. yeah, and then another one I wanted to add in there was uh, Force Resonator which is another resonator card, so he helps fill that gap if you're missing a crimson or a red. And then his effect is you can tribute him, and then your opponent basically can't use spells or traps during the battle phase on one of your monsters, which is perfect if you don't have Trenade out there or any back row hate. If they have a battle step uh, trap card set, like Drowning or something like that, you can can attack into it without any worry. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen it dropped on me once or twice in in ranked, and it kind of surprised me. But I also it makes sense of of the resonator options we have because you really do need to stick to the level twos. So, yeah, it makes it makes sense. It can definitely help fill in some holes if you're missing because, yeah, red red res is, is an older card that some people just may not have.
0: What about uh, other interesting options? What else have you been tossing in there? I know in some of okay. our back and forth, you had some uh, Egyptian God Spice that you were thrown into the deck.
1: Oh, Lord. Yeah, okay. So there's three really, really spicy cards that I have either seen, I have tried, or that that my community has, has suggested. Um, I think the most actually playable and um you probably have you may have seen the clip oh gosh was it battle phase it was it was one of the tournaments that just happened um of of a resonator mirror match and they both put obelisk the tormentor in their deck and it is not a meme it is actually a really playable card um uh and uh in that tournament those two decks fought and it actually was obelisk crashed into (laughs) obelisk (laughs) and everyone was like why is this happening um but yeah obelisk is really really easy to summon um i i've posted a clip in a few places of being able to put him out basically on turn one without even breaking a sweat um there there's a couple different ways to do it um you can you can so crimson resonator can be special summoned if you don't have anything else on the board um, and then Wild Wind, you can special summon if you have a, a Fiend-type tuner with, like, 1,500 or less attack. Um, so you can you can legit, if you open Crimson Resonator, Wild Wind, uh, and Obelisk, it doesn't matter what the other card is. Because you can just use your uh, Demon's Resonance to put something back. And you can either, the way I did it was, like, with, I think it was Crimson Res and a couple of Wild Winds. Um, and then you just tribute those three because they're all special summons for Obelisk. Uh, or you could do uh, you could synchro to Red Rising Dragon, which would let you special summon Crimson Res from your from your grave, and then uh, get another tuner and sack those three for him. Um, but real easy to put into play, and like people are actually doing it, and it is working out um, because he can't be targeted by by uh, monster effects or spells and traps. So like actually a pretty decent effect. The problem is just you know three tributes, but. When you have so much special summoning, it's not so hard to do. Um, so, yeah, Obelisk is, is the first kind of spicy. Um, the other two aren't as as crazy, I think. Um, w- Winged Dragon of Ra is another option. Another God
0: um, card. All right, let's hear this.
1: Yeah, so, again, it's the same as Obelisk. Like, you need three tributes to summon him. Um, he doesn't have the same effect. He can be targeted. Um, the difference with him is that um, the deck has so much life gain in it that, like, Obelisk, I feel like, is is better if you see him early on. But Ra can be better if you pull him later into the duel when you have, like, 9,000 life points or something because of uh, Special Summoning Red Resonator. So, like, Ra can come in and he eats all your life points and gains that much attack and defense. So you could realistically be looking at like a 9000 attack god card which
0: is that's amazing.
1: Really weird to say, but um it's not as popular, but you can definitely get away with it. Um the last one that I have not tried myself, but some people in my in my community suggested it because the deck is uh all about fiends is to summon uh Raviel, Lord of Phantasms, the 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 sacred beast. Um <laughs> he
0: that's one I've never seen played. Neither before. Have I. He seems like he's locked yeah. out. Um,
1: you have to, he's, he's like the God cards. You need three tributes, but you need three fiend tributes. And this deck is full of fiends because the skill requires it. Um, and you can summon, uh, tokens whenever your opponent summons monsters. And then, um, you can get rid of, you, you can tribute, but you basically get rid of the tokens to give him attack boosts. Um, so, again, I think Obelisk is the king of, of stupid, dumb, gigantic monster cards that can fit in this deck because of how much targeted removal we have right now in the meta. Um, and he can get around all of that. But if you want to spice it up a little bit and you don't want to be like everybody else, Raw and Raviel are options that you can legitimately run. <laughs> Which is hard for me to believe, but it's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it when like really old cards like that kind of work their way back into like super Mm -hmm. meta decks it's always cool to see and then egyptian gods are awesome they'll always hold a special place in my heart first time like 14 year old me saw them played or on the tv show it was, was awesome i mean you
1: technically could run slifer if you wanted to the the only problem is he's going to come in so tiny because you need to use so many cards in your hand and his attack and defense are all based around it. But, I mean, if you use a bunch of Wild Winds to, to summon him, Wildwind can uh, banish himself from the grave and you can go grab a uh, a Resonator from your deck. So, like, in theory, he could be decent because of his whole whenever your opponent summons a monster, it loses 2k attack and if it hits zero, then it dies. But I don't, I could sit here and we'll end up with me saying that you could, you could get ultimate obedient fiend in there somehow too, if I, if you let me go long enough. And I don't, I don't want to come to that point.
0: <laughs> Galaxy uh, brain. Yeah.
1: But those are, those are options you can do.
0: All right, what about uh non-egyptian god cards? What other interesting things have you seen? Oh man,
1: playing? um I th- really the only one that I, I've seen consistently played is the uh the goblin. Um oh man, what is he? Uh, uh I think he's the pot agreed goblin or goblin Oh, goblin agreed. Greed. I just yeah, yeah, just searched it in game. Yeah, um, you can't activate effects by discarding from your hand if he's on there. And he's a fiend, so he counts towards the the fiends you need for the skill to activate. Um I, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of other like fringe picks other than um, him and like Iwato and the God um, cards. Mono Iwato,
0: yes. yeah. If I'm even pronouncing that remotely correct,
1: I think I think so. <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious because my my uh, my other like free or other slash tech card list is really short because that's pretty much it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's kind of one of the cool things about this deck. Since it's so new, it really hasn't found its, like, optimal play yet. So you're actually seeing more variety than you would expect in this deck. Core is the core. It's going to stay the same. But it's all the cards around it that are constantly cycling and changing. Mm-hmm. So you hit on a couple of them that I wanted to cover already. Obviously, the Egyptian Gods and then Amano Wato and Goblin of Green. Those seem like they're pretty popular more niche one that I'm seeing is Chaos, the Shadow Monarch, from uh, Shining Hope Box. Really? Yeah, since you basically don't ever need to normal summon with this deck, you're just special summoning everything out in the field, it leaves it ripe for a one tribute summon. Mm. So he's level 6, Dark Fiend, so he fits like all the requirements you want in this deck. And if he's tribute summoned, you can target one card in the field and banish that target. And if you do, you can inflict 500 damage to your opponent if it's a dark monster. So there's a little bit of burn option if it's a dark monster. But the main effect of that is like you just pick one card on the field and banish it. It's gone. So oh, if it,
1: That's any card, right? Like it doesn't just have to be a monster.
0: Yeah. Just target one card on the field. Ooh. So you need a little bit of extra back row hate. Cool. We've wrapped that into a 2400 beater. Or you need to get rid of Harpy Lady or just something you can't swing over. Boom. Chaos throw him out there and problem solver oh
1: huh. i had not thought about that i'm gonna have to try that out i definitely have chaos so i, I want to try this out
0: yeah huh. and then uh in my budget deck i've actually been playing van dil i have no idea how to pronounce like half the names dual links it's the uh yugi dsod level up card you get val Dagon, the tra- dragon lord so he's a level eight dark dragon kind of fits with theme of the deck not not fiend but the theme and if you negate the activation of an opponent's spell or trap or an opponent's monster with a counter trap card you can special summon him from the hand and then he's got effects based on what kind of card you negated so if you're using that with a dark illusion counter trap card you can use the dark illusion to protect one of your dark monsters whether it be one of your dark dragons or a resonator and then you get to have this extra monster out on the field with 2800 attack and some effects based on what you uh what you negated.
1: Yeah, that that honestly doesn't seem bad if you're talking trying to fill space for cards you don't have like that's that's not a bad option.
0: Yeah, and he works with a counter trap too. So if you're running Dark Illusion and Solemn Scolding, you just have more options to get him out on the field. So he's a great yeah. one. He's a great one-off to throw in there because it kind of fits what you want to do with the deck already.
1: Yeah. Wow. I Honestly, I didn't even know this card
0: existed. <laughs> huh. I'm randomly leveling up Yu-Gi for gem farming, and I got that card, and I was like, huh, I wonder if this will work. And I ended up playing with it a little bit, and it catches people off guard because they're not expecting something like that to hit the board. They're just expecting Dragon Synchros, and that's pretty much it.
1: Right. You get a little you get a little extra if you use, you know, solemn on top of playing that. So you get the negate and then you have another big 2800 body out too.
0: And then I think I'm going to touch on its effects just for anybody who's listening and doesn't have the card or doesn't want to look it up. So if you end up negating a spell card, you can inflict 1500 damage to your opponent. Trap card, you can target one card your opponent controls and destroy it. And if it's a monster, You can target one monster in your graveyard and special summon it. So his effects are wild if you can get him out there.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Is that 1500 like after the dual links like have all burn damage?
0: Yeah, absolutely. He actually deals. Yeah, that's a huge burn. Obviously, it's very, very situational to get him out because you have to have a counter trap ready. Then you got to use it correctly. But. Yeah, if it gets there, he can burn people pretty big and if not, like okay, just destroying one card your opponent controls, that's useful uh, or special summoning from your grave. Let's say you're deep into a duel, you protect a resonator with a counter trap, bring him out, you get the special summon, something from your grave, you could bring back one of your dragon synchros or you can bring back a resonator so you can keep doing a synchro climb, that's crazy.
1: All right, I'll be right back and going to grind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's wild that is so uh, i love that yeah, i'm actually proud of myself for that one that's like my first big brain moment i've had in dual links usually i'm like kind of an outsource guy where i'll just let everybody else figure out the cool stuff and then copy it but proud of myself for that one
1: yeah i was about to say you've got one you've got one more big brain than me because <laughs> that uh yeah that's solid i like it don't
0: worry it's my one for 2021 i've already burned it so early into the year <laughs>
1: Hey, let's go. <laughs> that, no, that just means you have plenty more room to figure one out.
0: Yeah. So, a couple hmm. other interesting options. Um, Jar of Avarice is really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I found this helps if you want to run like a Red Nova deck. So, Red Nova eats up a lot of space in your extra deck because you have to carry Red Dragon Archfiend too. So, usually the casualty of that is Red Rising. And like you said, if you're not playing three, you run the risk of, like, burning out all your resources. So what our Avis will do is it'll let you cycle one of those Red Risings back into your extra deck. It really helps with the, uh, the survivability of the deck if something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and then the only other one that I can't take credit for is uh, I've seen Stardust Shimmer played in the deck. So Stardust mm, Shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Spell card you can select one dragon-type secret monster in your graveyard, remove from play other monsters in your graveyard, your total levels equal the level to select the monster, and special summon it from the graveyard. So this is great for getting something back if you get hit with, like, a Ballista Squad or, you know, anything else that's going to destroy it and put it in the grave.
1: Yeah, or if you run out of uh, Red Rising fuel, you can always get another one back or something. Yeah,
0: absolutely, especially because if you have a Wild Wind and a Resonator in the grave already, okay, your levels equal six, just send those guys away and bring out red rising again
1: yeah i think i actually did see somebody playing that when i was playing through kcgt like i didn't think about it and i was like oh yeah i guess it makes sense like even even resonators can get a little help from stardust too let's go i I, (laughs) we take those yeah we'll take
0: it and then i think we'd be remiss to not at least mention resonant destruction which was another card that came out in the king of crimson box
1: Oh, wait, what? I don't even know about this.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's a rare, continuous spell card. And each time a resonator monster is sent to the graveyard as a synchro material. You can target one card your opponent controls, destroy that target, and then destroy this card during your second end phase after activation. So the only downside to this card being that you have to have those resonators sent to the grave for a synchro, meaning you're already putting them out there and leaving them vulnerable. I think...
1: That's interesting, since it's a it's a continuous spell, like if you if you set up like normal, you could always just dump it and then go into regular plays like sent as a single. Mater- yeah, you could just drop it and then immediately get a destruction out of it if you wanted to.
0: huh, yeah, like I said, the only issue is you gotta leave your monster cards out there and, and vulnerable to any back row. But if your opponent isn't playing any back row and they're just walling up with defense monsters. Cool. Throw one or two of them out there. And you can every time you synchro summon, you can just boom pop a card, pop a card, pop a card, and it really opens things up.
1: Yeah, that's 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 not a bad option. Dang. There's some there's some really interesting stuff with this deck. Like sometimes I feel like you know, Harpies got solved real quick. Like they have a couple different ways to play them. You know, there's like a thick version, like a bigger deck, and then there's like the 20 card. But like this, there seems to be like some decent ways to to play. It's not just play it this way or that way. There's like lots of different cards you can kind of sprinkle in for some extra spice if you want.
0: That's what I love about this deck and new decks in general is like the figuring out process is always super fun because it's really experimental and it allows you to kind of like imprint your own personality onto the deck.
1: Mm -hmm. You can get really creative. So speak. You know, I wasn't. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, I, just as a like a capstone, I guess I wasn't sure how I felt about other tech cards for it, but yeah, there's there's really some solid stuff here, like you know obviously if you if you're looking to play in tournaments, you're looking to win an m c s or something like you gotta you gotta play what everybody else is playing. but like if you're just laddering, like you can have some fun with it and do some do some spicy stuff. so i uh there's I got a couple things I'm gonna have to try soon, I think
0: me too i can't wait to actually build the full strength version of this deck because right now i'm just messing around with whatever cards i have and then i think that's a good point to transition so you mentioned playing tournament and competitive In all those deck lists that you see posted you see two hatred and three book of moon those cards always really worry me when you see them in a deck because you don't really know how much they're being propped up by those very powerful cards how strong or viable do you think resonator deck is without those two cards can you play it without trinade can you play it without book of moon um
1: well i can speak a little bit from experience because my luck in opening with trinade or book is really terrible um i i do i hear the sentiment a lot that a lot of the the top tier decks are just cores propped up by expensive back row or expensive staples and i i feel that with a lot of decks but i i don't know i feel like resonator is different in that regard like um turnade definitely helps and book definitely helps it deals with a lot of problem cards and makes it so that you don't have to spend resources trying to solve problems on the board you can just dump one card and be done with it, like, you know, flip a flip a um, cyber slash down or or flip a flip a bouncer down or something with book or, you know, get rid of triple back row <laughs> with tornado. But like, I think that resonators have enough that they it it they definitely take a hit if you don't have that stuff. But they have so much potential to play through disruption and to play through control that like I've won plenty of games without a single book or tornado because they either are just so huge and hard to stop and pop off so fast or, you know, they just keep going no matter what you do to them. It feels like you can't keep them down for very long. Cuz like I know a lot of people want to to take stuff out of the equation with like a book but if you can get to Dark End, that is just as good, if not better, than trying to flip something down. Like, it, it feels like it's just either you're, you're going to spend your resources and your time trying to fix stuff with making your board and, like, trying to get your monsters to live or trying to bring them back after they get killed by Back Row. Or you're running trunade and Book, and you can shut those problems down immediately. So... I think they're still pretty viable, at least without some of that back row stuff, but man, they're so strong and they're so rare and everybody wants them for a reason.
0: What, uh, what budget alternatives do you think there are for book of moon? Man.
1: Budget alternatives for book. Cause my, my, the first alternative I always think of for, for book is Kanadia, but I know that one's not as um as as friendly. I mean, there's well, you can get one from a bundle in the shop, right? But I mean, if you don't have book, I guess Kanadia is technically easier to get since you have access to it at all times instead of book, which is locked in our uh, in the selection boxes. Um man, book of moon and stuff down. I'm not sure. I get asked that a lot. Like people always ask me, "What is a substitute for for book?" Because it's there's not really anything that's lower rarity that that is super similar in effect, or at least is as good. I know there's like a spell card or something that's like not a. I don't even remember the name of it. It's like not a quick play, but it still does flip a monster down. And like I guess you could go with that. I, I don't remember what the heck it's called, but um. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to to pinpoint like a an actual good replacement for Book of Moon cuz I feel like there isn't anything that is as good.
0: Agreed. Uh
1: it's called Murmur of the Forest. It's a it's a rare from uh the trader actually. Um yeah, you uh you target a monster your opponent controls that's face up and you flip it face down. It's not a quick play, um but I would say that that is probably the cheapest that has a similar effect. I, I, I've i actually seen it played in Resonators once or twice. I think, I think in KCGT. I was in, like, level 22 or 23, and somebody played it. I was like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the big gripes with Book of Moon, is it's either you have it or you don't. There's really no good replacement for it like the only ones i can no. think of are kanadia maybe floodgate or the murmur of the forest but those are all like very situational very situational or very timing dependent
1: right and and in in comparison like uh kanadia and floodgate are leagues above murmur <laughs> like at least you can you know trap card set it up and activate it on your opponent's turn um but yeah, I, I agree. It's they're they're slower. They're slow like Kanadia is just a slower Book of Moon. You gotta you gotta have it down for a turn. You can't. You know, Book is just so versatile and so good at dealing with problems that you're gonna face with a deck that like, man, Book of Moon, I I can't believe how because, you know, in, in TCG, Book of Moon is just like a two cent card that everybody has a million copies of. But in Duel Links, it is like the god of of back row right now. Oh man. Yeah, I I guess those are your options then if you don't have Book of Moon, I would say Canadia, Floodgate, Murmur,
0: something in there. Yeah, I think there's other cards too, like Doom Caliper Knight. I mean that might be a good way to shore up some of what Book of Moon does. Because essentially what Mm. you're trying to do by flipping down is just get that monster into a place where it can't use it use its effect. And Doom Caliber right. is gonna cover that. And then Solemn Scolding yeah. will kind of cover that too.
1: Yeah, and Solemn Scolding's free. Yeah. It is that is a dang good card. Yeah, so I always yeah, if you have more than one Doom Caliber and you don't have stuff to deal with monsters, yeah, I would, I I could see running multiples.
0: Now that we've discussed all of Book of Moon's benefits and how that makes this an S-tier deck what do you think the B plus version of this deck looks like? So that's something I'm kind of a fan of is the B plus version of decks because they usually only require one or two runs through a box to get. And usually that last little jump from like, Hey, I can make it to legend three rank to like, yeah, I'm going to hit King of games every time is really expensive. Yes.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I feel like the core for the deck even in a even in a lower power version, um, is probably still about the same. If only because of the requirements of the skill. Like you still probably do need a couple of crimson and red res. Maybe resonator call isn't as important since Demon's resonance can kind of do what you mm. man, that's that's hard. It's hard because <sighs> because i'm dumb and gave konami all my money (laughs) (laughs) like i have access to all this stuff so i don't it's an interesting challenge i thought i i saw you you wanted to talk about it so i've been trying to put myself in in those shoes um because i said i in my notes i said that resonator call is not a must-have and i know that sounds really weird but like if you're if if you have to get rid of anything, if you have to because Wild Wind you can get from the trader. So there's you're gonna have three, even as a free player. It's not hard to get to get three. Um crimson res, if you're gonna go through the box once. Let's just say you clean out the box once. Two crimson res, and then sure, two two resonator calls. we can go with that. Um but that's like, you know, I see the core as outside of that, like mostly the same. You know, maybe, maybe we can opt for the um i've already forgotten the name for some reason the other uh the the one you mentioned the other resonator the the spell and trap force one. resonator uh force yeah force would be a good option since you're probably going to end up with like 57 of them <laughs> anyway by that point um just enough to 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 fill for the skill because we can pretend like you don't have uh doom caliber since he's an ultra from an old set um but a lot of the free cards like Wild Wind and, and Solemn, I would say you probably will still see, if not more copies. Well, Wild Wind, you're already probably three, but like maybe three Scolding because it's free and it's good and easy to use. Um, I feel like you still need Red Resonator because of the life gain. Like even if you don't run Solemn, Scolding, that life gain is... I normally say that it's Yu-Gi-Oh, the only life point that matters is the last one, but like when you're talking about 4000 versus 4000 and i've seen 10k plus on some resonator boards like that does make a difference and and puts a a stop to a lot of otk decks um i think you can get away with no infernity doom dragon um you know red rising is a free card so you definitely need him <sighs> Dark end is another like super rare in an old box. That's the problem with this deck is there are enough free cards to entice you to build this thing. But then you realize that some of the really good ones are really random old set cards. Um, But I I think that a B plus version of the deck relies a lot on some of the uh, some of the other cards that, that you and I like put together and mentioned like, you know, like you said force resonator um probably goblin will help a little bit more in this build i think um maybe a god (laughs) i I feel like if you don't have the full power build already maybe messing with gods is not so important um but i would say maybe other than having three copies of everything in the core it probably looks mostly the same um you're probably going to be missing stuff like maybe doom caliber um uh, maybe a dark end it would suck to not have two but i understand um infernity doom is free you get him with um with uh Callan, so might as well put him in there um i guess my question in the situation is what the heck do you fill in the holes after that <laughs> like what do you what do you put in the extra deck that's free and and viable yeah
0: uh, the only thing i can really think of is like you'd have to take it into a jack atlas cosplay situation where you're just running all the red dragon archfiends
1: Mm -hmm. i i I was gonna say i think the best you can do for yourself in in that situation is to is to run it like like an anime deck and like that's how i played it in the beginning like i played it with red nova when i started playing it before i built the full power one so that that it's still good that way like it's still very very good that way um so i i would say that's that would be my kind of life preserver. If you don't, if you're missing stuff and you want to play it, try to build it like cosplay anime style and and run RDA and uh, the Red Nova and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think there you'll gain a little bit more in attack power, just raw strength. But where you really lose out is the effects, and those effects of the Dark Dragon monsters and the extra deck are always so useful.
1: Yeah, and I think that that difference is what sets the the line between being able to hit king of games and being able to top a tournament like the raw like attack points can get you to king of games fairly fairly straightforward but the effects and and the game that happens in in the minds of the two players that's what can get you tournament wins so yeah i don't i wouldn't see red nova winning tournaments anytime soon but like if you're just trying to play ranked and just want to get some wins online, oh yeah, the cosplay like that that kind of, you know, lower power deck will work just fine. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's kind of the one I've been playing because I don't have the two red resonators yet, or three red resonators, depending on what you like. And mm-hmm. so I've been really relying on Crimson Resonator, Force Resonator, and then basically just the Jack Atlas cosplay in the extra deck. And it's it's done pretty good. The toying around I've done with it was mostly at dual-level max, just jumping back into the KCGT for the mm. four daily rewards or whatever. And I win about every other match I play. Occasionally, I'll get streaky and win like four or five in a row, but you're not going to rip off any kind of insane like 17 win streak, but you'll you'll still be competitive <laughs> with it.
1: Yeah, it, it'll it work. and And that's like that's because i get i get those kind of questions a lot you know how do i build this free to play or like you know is this that good you have to like i don't know if maybe like not not lower your expectations but like determine your expectations like when you when people ask and i'm not just saying when people ask me like in general when you want to ask somebody is this good or should i do this like think of what do you honestly want to do with it do you do you care about tournaments like do you want to win an mcs like because if you do then the answer is very different because like a lot of times if people just want to play ranked is x deck good yes like there's so many things that you can cog with um but if if you're wanting to play tournament then yeah the answer changes a lot
0: yeah that's great advice not just for this deck but for like any deck in general that's perfect Mm -hmm. advice that's something I wish I would have heard, like when I first started, because I was kind of all over the place, just trying to chase whatever deck would be the best for me, not knowing right. that like any deck is going to kind of get you to where you want to be, which was the King of Games. It's just a matter of sticking with it and fine fine tuning it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I I make it akin to when people talk about the TCG, and I don't play Yu Gi Oh TCG. I was a big competitive Vanguard player, so I get the same kind of question. And it's like, do you want to win locals or do you want to win worlds like that? That's really the difference in in asking the question.
0: Yeah. So I guess the real key to just playing it is set your expectations correctly.
1: Mm -hmm. Know what you want to do with it.
0: And I'll be sure to post a copy of my deck list to the subreddit or Twitter or wherever you want to find it. That way you can kind of see what I feel like a very cost effective version of the deck is. All right, so I think that's enough talking about how the deck is built. Let's talk a little bit about how it plays. Uh, For anyone who's listening, I'd highly recommend you check out Diatonic's Resonator Breakdown video. He does a really great job of getting into what the deck does and how you should play it, and he does it quick. That's one thing I really love about your videos is it's like 10 minutes of Substance and then just replays. You get in, get the information that everybody needs to know out there, and then let everybody enjoy just a little bit of how the deck plays. In that video, you covered a couple cool combos and plays. Why don't you uh, highlight those for anybody who might be interested in building this deck?
1: Resonator is really it's it's nothing compared to like uh, your flight control TGs when you're talking about complex synchros. But for for people that are getting into synchro as a mechanic or that aren't familiar with the really long combo strings it can have. It can be pretty intimidating. And, and like you said, in the video, I, I like break down the steps of those combos instead of just showing a replay where it's in there. Like I like to kind of walk through all the steps. It can do a couple of different boards. There there, there are lots of different things you can do depending on your build. But the, the board that I think is the strongest and probably the most common win con, at least when I'm piloting the deck, is to build uh, two Darkened Dragons. <laughs> so you can basically sync her up. I, it usually starts off with uh, with just like a Crimson Res and a Wild Wind, and then you make um, uh, Red Rising. Then you can get your uh, Crimson back once you summon Red Rising. And then you can make a darkened dragon. He's just a level eight. You can just remove one of your opponent's monsters from the board, throw it in the grave without destroying it. He loses some attack, like 500, I think. He goes from 26 to 21. But if you make two of them, you can remove two monsters from your opponent's side of the board and still have lethal on top of whatever else you may have in your hand that's still playable. So you basically just go through those steps twice because the deck has so much special summoning and you'll still have a normal summon left over that... It's not hard to make that board. It's once you see how to do it and once you pull it off once or twice, it it's really like second nature. I, I do it without even thinking about it now. But when I was making the video, I had to actively walk myself through it and tell myself each step. But yeah, generally trying to get two darkened dragons on your board is one of the best ways to to lock in the win, but there's all kinds of combos. Like you can, you can, since you can make two level eights, you can make Darkened Dragon and um, uh, Infernity. Or if you're playing RDA, you can make Darkened and RDA. There's, there's a lot of combinations that the deck can do. You can kind of mix and match what monsters you want to play because you can generally end up with two really big synchro monsters on your board, at least. It's all just, it's all about, making sure you know what to special summon and when to special summon it and what can be special summoned because you can run into a situation sometimes where like if you're playing doom caliber for example he can't be special summoned so if you're like okay i have a normal summon left but a normal summon red resonator then i'm gonna special summon doom cat you can't do it like i've made that mistake i don't know how many times but yeah it's it's all about Kind of assessing what you're up against and and going from there. Sometimes uh, Dark End plus Infernity Doom is the best way to go. But I, yeah, I would say Dark End. Dark End is like the most deadly board in the deck. Yeah, there's a whole combo section that I made of how to do each board and what it in what it gives you. But man, Double Dark End is is usually what I go for when I'm trying to win.
0: Yeah, I actually stole that double Dark End play from you when I was messing around with my deck. I was fortunate enough to get a couple Dark Ends when I was digging for Swallow's Nest for the Harpy's deck that I've been playing. So that play is super fun to pull off, and it opens everything up, and it's kind of a guaranteed game, especially if they're you're not attacking in the back row.
1: Yeah, and I <laughs> I didn't even invent the play either. <laughs> I stole it too, so it's the, <laughs> it's the average internet train of stealing from each other. Um, I I love that board so much because you know we we really don't have a ton of you know outside of something like water exceeds using uh, Atlantean heavy infantry to like remove mo- we don't have like a lot of monster effects that are good that remove cards and it's nice because Resonator does not like harpies very much I've noticed uh, I've had a lot of trouble with them and I probably just suck at fighting harpies <laughs> but. Being able to remove cyber slash without having to use a spell or trap to do it and to set her off is amazing. It's a really nice, um, it makes it a lot more difficult for your opponent to try to play around. So that's, that's why I love that board so much. It is, it is nasty, disgusting. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And if anybody out there is a visual kind of like me, um, check out the video. He does a great job of breaking it down step by step, and you can actually see the play as it's happening. What's the name of that video so everybody can go search it when they're done with this?
1: Uh, If you just type in, I think you just need to type uh, Cogworthy Resonator Deck Guide, or probably just Cogworthy Resonator. We'll probably get you there too.
0: Perfect. Nice and simple. The way it should be.
1: Oh, yeah. Cogworthy Resonator. It's the first result on YouTube. There you go. Yeah,
0: you conquered the algorithm. Way to go. (laughs)
1: Let's go. (laughs) It's probably the one and only time it'll happen.
0: (laughs) All right. I think that's about it. I don't really have much more to add to the resonated conversation. How about you? It's it's more like putting a
1: bookmark in it than closing the book on it. Like there's, there's still going to be more stuff discovered with the deck. I, I know it. Like the God card thing was a pretty early on discovery, but I'm sure there's some combos and some things that we just haven't seen yet. And once KCGT is over, we may see some more experimentation. So I would say
0: keep an eye on it because stuff's
1: going to change for sure. In the next few weeks,
0: I can't wait to see where this deck goes. Huge Jack Atlas fan. Love the red dragon arch So by proxy, I love the resonators. So I'm excited to see what this deck can do.
1: I've i uh, I'm Konami's favorite consumer. Cause I buy into the marketing. So anything that's five D slapped on it, I I'm, I'm <laughs> here for it.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Everybody go check out his stuff, follow him on Twitch, YouTube, anything else you want to plug while you're here?
1: Well, thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> And uh, I I am huge on on the competitive scene of dual links, and I I love for people to to discover and support it more. And not just you know the the battle phases and the meta weeklies and the MCS. Those are all big and important. But please check out some team competition if you have time. Uh, Clan wars and team wars are the two biggest ones and there are a ton of people who put a lot of work into making those leagues run and run smoothly and feel very professional. So, obviously I encourage you to jump in if you want and join a team or start a team, but please check them out cuz um they are they are extremely well run and uh I love them and I want more people to support them. So, yeah, that would be my my big plug, I guess.
0: All right, plug worked for me. That's uh <laughs> been a blind spot of mine for Duel Links. A lot
1: of people don't know about it. Yeah, it's I I, I was a huge, uh, I was competitive in, uh, in card fight Vanguard for a long time. And my, my love was team tournaments. So anytime I can go out and support team competition in TCGs, I'm there
0: as a big basketball football guy. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to see something similar to that in another game that I love in Duel Links Well, thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. I yep. won't hold you any longer. That's it. Everybody be safe. Have fun.